night. Poetry Night rings through. My name is Tiffany, and I have the honor to introduce our features for the evening. Uh, one of them has been in and around Poetry Night for a few years now. Uh, went to Western, and, and the other one is, as well. Went to Western. Um, wickedly brilliant women. Um, graceful, humble sweethearts, both of them. Uh, I'm immediately impressed and now for a long term, um, forever changed by knowing both of them now. I think I want to know you for the rest of my life, if that's possible. Um, for two weeks, I've been telling people to come tonight and I'm going to chew out those that did not. Um, I'm going to uh, wave the podcast in their face and say, I told you so. They were awesome. So anyway, um, you're in for a treat. Uh, we have Erica Reed and Natalie Fedek. Oh, shit. I tried. Fedek. Um, I, I really wanted to say that right. Um, uh, just enjoy. Enjoy for yourselves this combination of of awesomeness just there you go um the, the the variety of things they each do is is far reaching so look them up on the facebook look them up on the youtube right like them poke them whatever those channels subscribe to them uh go to their workshops around town Erica's a great promoter if you want to know what else is going around in town just go to her facebook and she'll tell you what everything is doing um, Susie Boynton, she's got her finger and everything. She's the starter. She's the initiator of things. And then we've got Natalie who's like creating and, 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 and cooperating and, and making movies and making life happen around her. And, and oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to get off the microphone so you guys can enjoy them. Please welcome Erica Reed and Natalie to the stage. <laughs> Tiffany, that was so moving. Yeah. <laughs> so flattered. That was really honored. Thank you. So I think to start off, we should kind of explain the basic premise of why we're doing this together mm. instead of reading separately. And that is because we together uh, comprise the poem store, which some of you have heard a reading before. We're going to be reading a few of the same poems that we read at Kitchen Sessions a few weeks ago. But um, we are a little typewriter duo. We go to different places all around town. We're actually going to be going to LA for fairly soon, just for shits and giggles. Um, and we write poems on the spot for people. So someone will come up and give us a request, they'll give us a word, they'll give us a theme, an idea, a life story, what have you, and then we'll turn that into a poem. Um, we just started at the farmer's market initially, and we were there for about a year and a half, two years. 
And um, I would say that there was no ramp-up period of it being popular and not popular. People really responded who would see it and who would ask for poems. Um, and the farmer's market had a really strong turnout pretty consistently. Um, but as far as getting new gigs, we are it's, it's gained a lot of attention and popularity now. So it's a lot easier. Or there's a much wider variety of places that we are invited to now. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, commercial night markets, uh, we used to do a wine tasting at Old Royal Deli. We've done a wedding. We've done speakeasies. Speakeasies. Uh, Those we are did fun. the lumber and lace oh, yeah. uh, fundraiser. Yeah. Hopefully, going to Vancouver at some point soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are going to Vancouver soon for a poetry festival, and I think we are going to do the poem store at the festival and also feature at the Slam at some point in the same way. So, yeah. So yeah, just recently. <laughs> yeah. And this is the. Uh, we recently uh, performed like this together, and so this is we had not considered performing the poems before because they're they're not performance pieces. They're well, I guess the whole thing is a performance piece, but uh, they're very much something that we're giving away. So this is the first second time now. Mm -hmm. So you're Who's reading first. Oh yeah, you're reading. First. Am I reading first? Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Uh, Natalie's going to read a poem that gives. And it goes into some, well, I'm going to let it speak for itself. Okay. Leave it around yeah. So typically, again, how I said is we'll usually get a request or a prompt somehow. Um, we had a gig recently at Bayou on the Bay, and it was not the right space for us. It was just kind of at the bar. No one really knew we were doing what we were doing there with typewriters at a table. People were baffled. So no one came up and talked to us, which is Usually people do, because like, why the hell do you have a typewriter? Yeah, they were not a curious crowd that day. So I didn't have a poem to write. I didn't have any requests, so I just started ri writing one based off of that. So I called it Poemless. Um, so I see you over there staring at me, all my baggage, my dirty hands coated in ink. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I'm just another lazy, drunk, no-good, poemless person. Wandering the streets of imagination with a cardboard sign begging for a scrap of syntax. Maybe you're right. But you'll never know until you can see beyond the grime and ink and ask me for my words. Um, well, as I mentioned, the differences, similarities, but maybe we'll save that after you've had some samples. Um, all right, so I'll, the first poem that I'll read for you was written, I wrote it for a grandmother, um, and it was at an Old Royal Deli wine tasting, and she came up and she asked us um, for a poem for her two grandchildren, um, and her name is Maria. Their names are Maito and Benito, or Maita and Benito is what she calls them. Maria will give her eyebrows, her cheeks, her lips, her hands, her expressions. She will teach Maita how to laugh, head back, throat bared, soul bouncing off the walls. She will give her collarbone for elegance, her legs, so Maita can always twirl. For Benito, Maria will give her spine. She will teach him how to bear himself with pride. She will give her shoulders, neck, and hips, teach him how to carry others. She will grace them both with her heart, and when they are grown, they will remember how she used to carry them, how, she, how they could feel her love beating from her chest. That one made the grandma cry, which is kind of our secret agenda, is to yeah. make people cry, really exciting. either in happens. laughter or in just being touched. <laughs> yeah. 
so deeply. Um, this one was actually, I forgot that this, this next one I'm going to read was for that woman's son, but it was requested by her daughter-in-law and he was deaf. And so he, um, his wife asked for a poem for him and we typically will ask for like, okay, so you want one for your husband? What is it about your husband that you, why'd you fall in love? What are some of your favorite things about them? So, um, this one has some specifics that, uh, she mentioned and also about just what the relationship might be like because of his being deaf. So, um, it's called my macho man, my Aragorn Hispanic born, my dear, your quest is mine to speak with faces, lips, hands and lips, the love ears can't define. We'll watch some lynch and take a pinch of Deadpool for tonight. But when screens turn off and our voices soft, you'll be my one delight. Though you may not hear the joy you bring to my one most precious life, I hope you know from fingers bent the pride of being wife. That one got a few tears. And then, so this, this was a poem that I got to see after sending it off. Uh, I, it was written, I wrote it in 2014 and that was, that was during the time period when we didn't take any photos of them and we just let them go. And, um, the woman who requested the poem, I don't know how she got my email, but she did. She was very resourceful and, um, she sent me, or she sent me a link to a blog post that she had written about it. And so I got to see the poem again and that was, uh, really cool to, um, re, re interact with it. Um, it's called On Healing, and her name was Ter- is Teresa. And she requested a poem about quitting. There, quitting. Quitting. There's a stigma about quitting. Perhaps we were not good enough or strong enough, or we gave up. Perhaps we were scared. But then aren't we always scared? Isn't it the fear and our movement through it that makes us? We are at our best when we are just past fear, the moment just after quitting. There are dams that break that so closely resemble the shatter that is something ended. How could the river ever carve a canyon without the break? You, Teresa, are a river mid-release. Can you already see your canyon walls and the colors they will turn in their first sunrise? I like that one so much. (laughs) Um, This one is not nearly as thoughtful. Um, Erica started the poem store with Savannah Jordan, who I, most, some of you may know also. Um, so they did the farmer markets originally, and I only recently, this spring, started doing farmer markets. And then we got kicked out, actually, because <laughs> I didn't have a busking permit. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but anyway, um, there was a gal who came up clearly sleepy and didn't, had not had her coffee. So she was like, uh, coffee, whatever. So, um, this is about coffee. Um, from a tea drinker's perspective, I will warn you. Um, so yeah, dark heaven. The dream begins when waking up, when bubbling black fills up my cup. Ceramic sides grow dark with brew when morning light checks off the dew. No thoughts will come till coffee breaks like roasted waves in stomach wake. Some say heaven glows pearly white, but those who grumble after night knows that heaven comes in a mug in liquid form, life. To be chugged. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so something that we to give you a little bit of process. Um, when people come up and ask, give us a subject. Uh, most frequently, I would say the subject that we get is love, um, just blanket. 
Um, sometimes we've gotten things from, I think my weirdest one was someone who said they used to be a Smurf and they want a poem about that experience. <laughs> um, and then second weirdest was alien sex. And some of your weirdest have been... I will be reading one of my weirdest. One of the weirdest, yeah. yeah. So we won't spoil that one yet. Um, <laughs> but they, I think one of the really... One of the coolest things to me about having done the poem store at all was the variety of subject matter that I would never be moved to write about on my own. Um, and some of it is really like been... like they'll, Someone asked for a poem on the political struggle in a country that I had not ever heard of before. And... Um, that I would never have chosen to write about that. And it was difficult. It was not a good poem. Um, but it's been really positive as uh, as writers outside of the poem store to go through those subjects and to try and give them respect and care as you're writing it and not to give it your all, our all. Um, and so people will give us a subject, uh, so usually one word or a, a phrase, and the where we get the meat of our inspiration is actually from the conversation that follows. Uh, so we ask, like Natalie mentioned earlier, okay, why why the subject of love? Why did you fall in love with this person in particular? And um, so this was another poem about love, um, requested I think by the husband for his wife on their love, and they mentioned um, he mentioned that ravens had been really significant for them, and that um, their main way that they spent time together was working on his. Dodge. Is it a dodge? Yeah, on his dodge. So it's on assembling for Marsha and Doug. If you distill the love of Marsha and Doug, you'll find a 1940s dodge. Silver wedge of fender reflecting the sky, hood splayed, innards scattered. You'll hear Marsha murmuring, asking Doug to pass her a rag. Somewhere nearby, a raven is calling. Uh, so every once in a while, the scariest thing happens at the poem store where a poet comes up and asks us for a poem. Um, cause they're like, oh God, they're going to judge me. They're going to know if this is a good poem. Yeah. So this one guy came up and was like, oh, you're writing poems. I see. He wasn't British. This is just, this was the tone though, generally like, oh, you're writing poems. I "I sure am writing poems. And he was like, oh, so how is your meter? I was like, I can write meter. Would you like me to write you a poem in meter? And so we had this long conversation. He's like, oh, fascinating. Oh, surprising. I wonder if it's any good. And then he couldn't come up with a suggestion. So, but his, the partner that was with him, uh, she had had a Colchian bastard cat ale the night before and was like, write about a bastard cat. And so since I knew that this guy was going to be seeing it, I was like, all right, game's on. I'm writing this a Shakespearean sonnet, an iambic tetrameter, and he's going to read it, and he's not going to have more words again. So, um, <laughs> this, yeah, so this is called The Bastard Cat, and I like this one. Um, House-tamed mother, feral father, a midnight fling in yon alley, breeds contempt between true-born daughters who scratch, squabble, or full belly. Does morning lark have choice to sing, or summer stars to brightly shine? Why then am I with broken wing? No censure be rightly mine. No claw scar earned, no hiss brought on, except by base existence bred. Of lusty licks, my parents won to meet in gentle marriage bed. But woe to those who bite my tail. This bastard cat will soon prevail. <laughs> so that was... 
he just walked away. <laughs> With a, he impressed walked away. <laughs> and then she left two dollars. <laughs> it was like I wrote you fucking Shakespearean sonnet, bitch. But no, that's not. You don't have to pay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but anyway, I had fun with that one. So it was a psychic income on that one. Mm. That's another thing. So we say your subject, your price, um, and really what that means is that you pay whatever you want, which is often nothing. But really, just what we're asking for is your time and consideration and uh, vulnerability. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to share a subject with us. Yeah. Sometimes we had one guy give us a dollar in. Quarters. He was like, what can you write me for a dollar? Like, well, that's not really how this works. And I can't read that one because um, it's visual. Because it, I was like, well, I can give you a cheap-ass poem. That's what I said to him. And he was like, all right, write me a cheap-ass poem. So I started to type out a cheap-ass poem, but I spelled it wrong. And I was like, ah, this is a cheap poem because it's going to be horribly misspelled. So I, like, left out letters in most of the words. And I was like, this is a poem, but you only paid me a dollar, so... You it's missing pass, a lot of his letters. We can pass it around later. At the intermission, yeah. we'll pass around because that is excellent. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that you guys are actually writing poems, like good poems. So come back. I'm opening a brewery. You can have beers. I was like, okay. Okay. Uh, Melvin. Uh, Melvin? I don't know if it's yeah, open yet. No, they're not open yet. Yeah. yeah I think they're... Um, <laughs> we don't we have, have enough beer. Breweries. <laughs> not enough. <laughs> so segueing a little bit still with Amber Ales involved um, this is for Chantrelles somewhere in the Olympic rainforest a gal and a guy are sipping Amber Ales fingers grubby with loam gazing into a campfire sparks shooting into the surrounding dark at their feet a pile of chanterelles honey gilled caps catching the last of the light and that was also written at that same yeah. uh, brew fest, yeah, for a gal who just had been mushroom hunting with her fellow. Mm-hmm. How we... many more do you have? Let's see. I want to make sure I don't go over. Over here. Which one? I'm the future dungeon master. Oh, dungeon master. So we have four. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. We obviously did a lot of planning. <laughs> Um, so this one, we did, we did actually, we, we did, and we just didn't count how yeah. many, we did all the other planning. Um, respect you. this one, we were at a speakeasy event over the summer mm. and this gal came up to me and she's like, Oh my God, Dungeons and Dragons. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons? And I was like, I just played my first ever game. Oh my God. Does anybody in here play Dungeons and Dragons? Hell yeah. One person. I'll take that. Um, so they asked me for a poem about Dungeons and Dragons. And I was just absolutely elated about that. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess a little foreknowledge for those of you who don't play Dungeons and Dragons, which is everyone but you, <laughs> um, you will roll a die at certain points in the game that is very important, like your life and death can hinge upon it. And if you roll a 20, oh my god, everything you could dream of is going to happen right. And then it goes from 20 to 1. So if you roll a 1, it's like, well, you're probably dead, depending on the situation. So you want to get towards 20. 1 and 2s are very bad. And uh, ruling the whole game is a dungeon master. They're the one who's kind of like telling the story. So this is, keep that in mind. It's called Dungeon Master. A measly 2. I'm dead for sure. We should have passed this corridor. 
But too late now, we'll all be dead. A dragon will gnaw off our heads. Goblins will distract our mage while undead wolves break through their cage. And Lilimir, our archer strong, will hearken to the siren's song. As Mr. Orc, the aptly named, attacks all foes but retreats maimed. Gods, why a two? <laughs> After all these months to abruptly end our roleplay fun. But you up there, whose fingers type, won't you aid us in our plight? Your word is law, we bow to you. Ye dungeon master, reverse this too. At your word we may survive and make it to the golden hive, where gold coins flow like waterfalls in ancient long-lost elven halls. It was your quest, your genius stroke. Let us not prematurely choke. If supplication does not suffice, then let us make this evening nice. We'll pour some wine. You pick the tunes. We'll even play with your <coughs> stupid runes. <sighs> As the king of DMs, you'll be celebrated. Now, please, don't leave us decimated. <laughs> they were supposed to call me and invite me to Dungeons & Dragons, and they didn't. Shot. I know it. <laughs> Wasn't that good of a game? <laughs> um, so very clearly, Natalie and I have very different styles writing, um, which has been, I think, very rewarding to work so intimately side by side. And we don't actually collaborate on the poems. We write separately um, each poem that we create. But there's a lot of, I think, emotional and um, mental collaboration as we're creating. It's she a team had, sport. It's a team sport. And there have so many of my last lines that... <laughs> really depended on her nudges so and she helps me make sure there's actual emotional content mm -hmm. and not just ridiculous <laughs> fantastical rhyme schemes yeah. <laughs> but i can't rhyme at all so any rhymes that you hear they came from her um right <laughs> this one uh a gal was very nervous to start grad school and this poem was for her her name is katie um, her friend speaks of a flood that moved her mother and she imagines herself as the water with no knowledge of the direction she will run when her banks have overflowed. There are hurdles that we cross with skinned knees because we are still learning how to lift our feet. She is proud of the way her skin pearls after a wound. She is a rising tide discovering the weight of her waves and the length of her reach. She will realize eventually that there is no land she cannot touch. After her flood, she will find herself far from the river with only pearl for skin. So, fun story Erica is too shy to share is that that poem later became a tattoo on the person who she gave it to because they were that deeply touched by its beauty. So, um, wasn't it like a few friends, actually? Three friends got different lines tattooed. So, it's like a sisterhood of the traveling pants kind of thing, but like permanent <laughs> tattoos of her words. Uh -huh. you gave me a hot <laughs> oh my! Did you sign it? <laughs> it yeah, wasn't that, was that immediate. <laughs> um, oh I my have, god, it's brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> I have not uh, seen them since that happened. They they are living, I think, in the Midwest. Um, but they sent me photos. They were pretty fresh, so pretty grisly still. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So nice. <laughs> I'd like to see one of them side by side because they yeah. got different parts of their bodies. Yeah. Um, this next one is completely different. 
this is my sauciest <laughs> poem ever. <laughs> and the few who were at the other reading have heard this before. We'll also show this. I will, this one has a... also a visual element. Um, so there's a gal who was like, wow, you, you do the poem thing. Wow. And I don't know what her day had been like, but she's like, penis. <laughs> that's, that's all she said. It was like, can you write me a poem about being uh, like penises? And I was like, all right. I sure can. You know, and her name was Paulina. So I was like, well, it's going to be called Paulina's penis poem and it has to be alliterative. So, um, and hold on to your safe. seats, everyone. Um, Paulina's penis poem. Oh, boy. You. I can't start laughing before I start. <laughs> Plunging powerfully into pulsing petals, Paulina's potent penis perfects the process of pleasure. Peers ponder the prolific performances, pray for replication with patient partners, pantsless, panting. Positively personal, promising orgasmic prose, Paulina's prey are promised nothing but penetration. Practically plywood, the plasticity of Paulina's penis appears a python, poised upon a Peruvian pier, preparing to strike. Precocious, her penis portends profound pleasures to a panoply of partners. Poignantly <laughs> pensive, Paulina prowls for carnal partners. Okay. So, but you gotta have the visual. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. So that one was definitely a crying but of laughter. That was they were just like, oh my god. Oh my god. We're in public. Oh my god. And I was like, yeah, I know, I'm reading this <laughs> to you, a stranger. So that's definitely saucy level 10. Saucy level 10. <laughs> yeah. We've not gotten that saucy since. Yeah. But we also haven't had any such bold yeah. subject matter since. Yeah. Not that bold. So, yeah, if you want to give us a challenge. <laughs> we have any yeah. subject. Um, okay, this <laughs> very different note. Um, this is another love poem. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wrote it back in 2014. I don't remember their names. Um, my notes say that I called the poem Inextricables, and it was for honey cake and biscuit. So <laughs> it would be too easy to say they're like dancing in music. Instead, call them the move, the note. Okay. Instead, call them the notes and the movement. It is so easy to move without music, to motion from necessity, but we are joy-driven creatures, and there is no motion she makes without his opening notes. She is his tempo keeper, his drum beats turned woman made entirely of sound. How would he recognize himself without her hips to tune his chords to? The opening of his throat, the pluck punch of his fingers on string or drumstick, these are the sounds that make her. And he, he finds himself in her smallest motions because, of course, she is always dancing when she sees him. <laughs> That's my favorite of yours. I love that every time. Oh, fascinating. There's po yeah, there's potential. I'm sure there was Go some of that, hand. yes. <laughs> but I just love that one. Um, this is one of the love poems that I wrote, actually. Um, there was a couple, also this, one of these like beer festival events that we did, 
um, they were celebrating their 25th anniversary. And so when I think of 25, I think of quarter century. So um, this is all about quarters. And a quarter for my love is the title. What to do with my one Washington, that chummy coin deep in my pocket. 25 cents doesn't buy much these days. Not a ring, not a crown, not a locket. What could I give you with this quarter of mine to show you how much I still glow? Every time you walk by, when you laugh, when you cry, how I long for you wherever you go. I could buy you a dish filled with sand from that beach where we kissed as the waves crashed ashore. Or a snip from a cedar, that sweetest smell sweeter, like it was where we hiked long ago. I could buy you a brick and lay it down flat to mark my love's true foundation. Or maybe a breeze from the bay's coffish wheeze to remind you of seaside vacations. My sweet love, it's not much, but please taste, smell, look, touch. At my heart, it's all for you open. And while I figure out how to spend this dear coin, read my love typed in this here poem. That was the cry. All right, so we've got... I just have one more. Okay, so I'm going to read a love poem, then do that one, and then should we end with... Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this is another love poem. Um, this is maybe my favorite uh, love poem that was that I received as subject matter. Um, and yeah, for lovers who are farmers and the ones who fall for them. Lover, pick the pumpkins early this year. Then bring me your fingers dark with soil, tangy with musk from the vine. Learn my unruly seasons and my sweet summer rains, my early crocus blooms. Learn the lay of my land, sow your seeds. Leave it for next year to find what we put into the ground. <laughs> and then this uh, poem that Natalie's about to read, um, I think, highlights a lot of what people really respond to in her work specifically. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever told her this. I don't think I have. So. But um, something that I've seen Natalie really... Uh, do incredibly well is give people who aren't necessarily familiar with poetry or don't have a lot of poetry that they actively seek out in their life. And she makes poetry extremely accessible and fun for them. And I think a lot of times people come over to us because there's a novelty of a typewriter and that's what draws them in rather than the fact that we're offering poems. And something that she does extraordinarily well is engage them with um, the, just the concept of poetry and having it be something personal and intimate to them. Um, and this poem, I think, does a really good job of that. She's <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, this was also one of the weirdest suggestions that I got. Um, it was at the Commercial Street Night Market. This lady came up and knew what she wanted. She said, dinosaurs, corpse flower, frying pan. And then, like, walked away. <laughs> she knew what she wanted. And so I, well, shoot, here we go. So, this is called Triassic Treats. <clears throat> Therese Tyrannosaur was a fan of fine cuisine, from Segasaur to Velocirap, the whole Cretaceous scene. She'd had it all and loved it true, but soon grew pale and green. As it turned out, she had some faults in her digestive tract, and eating beings of flesh and blood led to thunderous farty cracks. It can <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I know I'm 23, but farts are funny. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> it came to pass that Therese grew frail, unsure of what to eat. Her mom and dad could not provide for a kid who ate no meat. 
So Therese roamed forth in search of food to quell her raging gut, but no plant could replace the taste of Triceratop prime rib cuts. So faint she grew that she passed out near a giant lonesome bud, a flower near to six feet tall, careening from the mud. It smelled so rank, a rotting corpse of stamen, petals, roots, that Therese thought it nothing more than her own ferocious toot. But then she rose, and revelation! This plant could be her true salvation! Flower was her true salvation. Wow, okay. A plant that smelled of rotting meat? The answer to her lust for treats. She clawed off a chunk and fried it gold in her handy frying pan and proceeded to share her find with all vegan dinos in the land. <laughs> That's that. Like 25. Oh. oh, I remember crinkling a draft of that. My, I take a lot longer. I sometimes push 40 minutes on a really bad night. Um, it's a much better filter than I do. Which isn't always, though, ideal in the palm store world. Yeah. <laughs> We're not wrong. Um, let's see. Okay. Okay, so a lot of times um, grandparents will come up and say, uh, with their grandchildren, They're like, this is what I learned. This is what I did everything on. Um, and the kids are utterly baffled by that because they are fluent in touchscreen technology. And it takes so much work to depress one of those keys and actually have it leave a mark on the page. And so they become really fascinated by it. And generally, uh, we're kind of stressed and a little hurried, a lot hurried, because we've got like five palms and we're really stuck on one. And it's already taken like 25 minutes to work on this one palm. And we've got like, yeah. So generally, we don't really want them just banging away, ribbons getting caught, all this. It's a scene. Um, but this one kid came up and really wanted to type on it, and we had a slow moment, so they did, and they wrote something awesome. And uh, so I've, I've kept it, and we're going to finish. This is our last poem. Uh, not a poem, a little mini short story, some flash fiction. Uh, <laughs> they titled it The Pooping Baby and the Mystical Creature. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, one night there was a baby on the ground it pooped its pants there was a mystical creature in the woods that was very hungry hungry all caps to change diapers <laughs> so the mystical creature ate the diaper with the poop on it and changed the diaper then it ate the baby the baby's dad killed the mystical creature and it was never seen again dun dun dun, dun! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, we have one more poem for you. <laughs> this is good. I think this is just this is our theme song. Yeah, this is. I was we weren't gonna read yeah, it, and like, but now we have to. We have to. That's not it at all. So, uh, Natalie and I went out to um, Shaw Island a while back, and. Um, Shaw Island is Shaw. oh you love Shaw it's okay. the best yeah. of it's in the San Juan Islands, um, they're all they're all great, uh, but it so we were out there and we um, were helping someone with their new cabin and they needed um, some ditches dug, um, otherwise known as trenches, and uh, we are ladies otherwise known as wenches, and so we um, Natalie being her rhyming self and us being 
the people that we are, um, we dug those drenches and really enjoyed it and had a great time. And this is what came out of it. Yeah. Um, it's called the Trench Wrenches. We should get a clap going again, I think. Oh, yeah. We need a clap going. We should share one. We, yeah, we'll sh we got it. Me, 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 me. I've done this before. <laughs> so just a nice clap. Over oceans fair, we be surely there in our dress and our working clothes. With our gloves on tight and our teacups bright with the lint of the tea leaf prose. No man I'll touch and no hair I'll brush till my axe with the dirt grow brown. While the sun shines high and my lips crack dry on the shores of Shaw Island. From Boundary Bay to Victoria, from Bellingham to Port Townsend. No place I've seen like the woodland greens that I treaded on Shaw Island. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, that was the poem store. Thank you, poem store. Wonderful. This has been a fantastic Monday. Thank <laughs> you.